This is Speaker for the Living, a podcast where we explore human trafficking, forced labor, and all things related. My name is Seth Dare, one of the hosts of the podcast. I'm here with the one and only JJ Genflon. Hello! Today is going to be an update palooza. We're going so many to updates. Go back on some of our previous podcasts and update them. So if you want to know about all the stuff that went on before, we recommend you listen to them. And they will be on Nexium, Jeffrey Epstein, Boo. the massage parlor where Robert Kraft was arrested, uh, R. Kelly, Lindsay Lohan, and Chloe Ayling. We have so many updates. I can't even contain myself. So which one should we start with? It's probably should start with Nexium cast, and it is quite the story. Um. Can you even summarize that? <laughs> oh, oh dear sweet baby Jesus. Okay. Well, so Nexium was what was presented in the news in particular about Nexium, I guess, is what we should focus on, uh, was that it was a sex cult, a quote unquote sex cult. And so what Nexium was is that it, it was a cult, but it was a cult that was initially founded under the idea from from this uh, one particular founder, Keith Rainier that it was a self-help group. And so through a variety of things, which included both physical limits, so, you know, limits on calories and, and you know, no drugs, no alcohol, things of that nature, and then also uh, mental practices, so, like, affirmations and sort of acknowledging what's wrong with you. This is all very, like, cult 101 stuff. And then through doing very particular acts uh, of worshipping this particular cult leader, Keith Rainier, and some of his followers that had high positions of power, that if you're participating in these things, what, what you could do is that you could gain power and enlightenment and become a better, a better person. The problem was, is that eventually what ended up coming out was that Nexium was also forcing the, the club as a group through coercive measures was participating in human trafficking through making people work. So this was, it was labor trafficking in terms of making people work for, for no pay uh, through blackmail primarily. So through saying that, you know, I, we have, we have compromising photos of you. We have compromising letters. We forced you to write. We, we have secret information about you that, that could get you in trouble. And then they moved into sort of sex trafficking where you must sleep with people for the following reasons. And if, and if you don't, you will also be forced and, and harmed. And then finally moved into and what finally I think got them caught and got into a, a lot of international attention was that they started branding their followers. And I don't think we focused too, too much on, on the branding itself, but, but the branding was a physical branding that was done. People were misled about what the branding would look like at, but if you actually look at the image and it's the, it's the titular image that we actually chose for our, like our image for that podcast, even though it's kind of like in your face. But if you look at the brand, it looked like it had a K and an R, Keith Rainier's initials, as well as an A and an M, Allison Mack's initials. And then we talked about the fact that Allison Mack, who was a pretty popular actress, had had been arrested and, and what was going on with that. And obviously the, the pyramid scheme ha- has fallen apart since then. So it had a, had a quick rise. It was founded in 1998 and then fell apart really quickly and, and there's a lot there were groups within Rainier like one's called DOS and one's called The Vow and then Nexium itself so there's I, I really recommend listening to our particular podcast on if you're interested about the human trafficking angle and if you're not I believe there was a podcast done specifically about uh, Nexium that we mention 
that uh, was put on by I, I want to say a Canadian news source that was that was really really good. I, I referenced it several times. But anyway, since that podcast initially. When we had just finished it, uh, Rainier had been arrested. He had been indicted on charges of sex trafficking and forced labor. He had been arrested in, in Mexico, and he'd been moved to New York and was, and was awaiting charges. Alice and Mac had been arrested and indicted on similar charges, but hadn't gone forward and, and for her bond. And her bond had, hearing had actually been set back a few times. Seth and I had, had paused doing this podcast a few times thinking, okay, well, maybe there'll be more that comes out. Maybe there'll be more that comes out. But eventually we, we ran out, out of time. We were like, we have to move forward. So um, what happened here is, and also a side note, which we really didn't go into, I think, in, in the initial podcast, which I do apologize to everyone for, is that we didn't talk about the Seagram's uh, heiresses too much. We, we had talked about how within Nexium there were a number of individuals who had a lot of money who were backing Keith Rainier and who had backed this system and that they were the ones sort of providing for his defense and it had very come to them. But we didn't really go into details on them. And so one of them is Claire Brofman, who was a 40-year-old billionaire heiress to the Seagram Company fortune. And she did uh, in just just really only not even a full week ago. So on, on Friday, which would have been the 19th of, of this month, April, she pled guilty to enabling a sex ring for Keith Rainier. So she, in, in particular, and this is what I think is interesting, she admitted that she harbored someone who was living in the U.S. illegally unpaid labor and services, which means what she actually has admitted to is that she admitted to having a, a labor, uh, so, someone that she, had been labor trafficked and that she and that she was keeping. And based on the fact that she was also charged for, for the sex ring implies that she also had uh, someone who was providing uh, sexual services or at the very least through funding Rainier in uh, various ways and providing legal counsel and, and other things that she was maybe helping Rainier with the sex and labor trafficking. So her sentencing isn't until July 25th, but since she pled out, we know that she will be facing some time. Uh, in prison as as well as um i ideally i would hope paying restitution so we didn't really talk about her too too much but then also what i think we, we really need to look at is is allison mack so she has pled guilty which is huge i think we she had been maintaining that she was innocent and that nexium wasn't a cult and she finally declared that she was complicit However, she does blame in her statements to the court, she blames Keith Rainier. So she says that she, I believe Keith Rainier's intentions were to help people. I was wrong. So she sort of implies that while she, so she's labeled in these court documents as being a quote unquote master, like that people called her that, and that she directly or implicitly required her slaves to engage in sexual and, and activity and, and labor trafficking with Rainier, and that she was actually one of the, the biggest players in actually getting this. I, I blackmail dirt material for for Keith Rainier, but she finally did say, despite the fact putting it on him, she said that she she, she pled guilty. I and, and apologizes, and she quote the same was I have come to the conclusion that I must take full responsibility for my conduct, and that's why I'm pleading guilty today. So she actually faces more than twenty years in federal prison on each count because of the severity of the charge. But we 
the sentencing has also been pushed back. So because of this plea, so if you're not familiar with the U.S. legal system, you can enter a plea in court like, yes, I did it. Yes, I didn't do it. And then and then you're pushed back. And so when it's pushed back, so the, the filing of what the actual court would, would be will come later. So we have two people pleading guilty, which implies to me, because especially in the case of if you are a billionaire and you plead guilty, I think that that means essentially that either A, you've had a come to Jesus moment, or, or B, you sort of acknowledge in a major way that there is enough evidence against you that, that you cannot possibly win. There have been another of other former members who have been arrested on charges, and these charges go from extortion to sex trafficking to possession of child pornography uh but in with the exception of sort of a really rainier who we are still waiting on he will not go and into court until may they added in in march uh, additional charges of having a sexual relationship with underage girls and possessing child pornography and so we're waiting on that alice and mac obviously has committed um has, has admitted that she committed these crimes there's also Nancy Salzman, and if you listen to the criminal podcast when it talks about Nexium, they talk about Nancy actually a fair bit because she actually helped co-found Nexium alongside Rainier. She served as its president for a long time, and she herself had been charged with racketeering conspiracy and identity theft, but she had not been charged with human trafficking, so we didn't really cover her. Uh, in March, she did plead guilty, and but she will not be sentenced until July. Laura Salzman, who is Nancy Salzman's daughter, she has been charged for human trafficking. And according to individuals, she's the one who oversaw the branding ceremonies and that she had, quote, knowingly and intentionally harbored a woman in a locked room for more than two years, threatening to deport her to Mexico. So the fact that we haven't heard a lot about Laura Salzman, I think, is very interesting because it seems like this is a very clear case of human trafficking. Uh, and a lot of other criminal enterprises. And right, Seth, have you heard of her at all? Not really. No, she's mentioned in in a number of the early write-ups as being the daughter of a, a co-founder of Nexium. But the fact that they that the New York Post is is reporting earlier this month that she kept a woman locked in, in a room for more than two years tells me that you know they check their sources, and so she will not be sentenced until September. And so that, to me, tells me that she made some sort of plea agreement or possibly turned state's evidence because I, I haven't been able to find anything else about her that references her trafficking charges. Then, obviously, Claire Brothman we've talked about, and then there's Kathy Russell, who is the Nexium bookkeeper. She is currently free on bail. She's awaiting trial. She's denied everything. She hasn't even had an initial trial. And what she's basically charged with is conspiracy in particular that she provided um, illegal migrants documentation to come into the country illegally who were then labor trafficked. So it, it's unclear to me if this is all the same women or multiple women who were trafficked in, in a similar way. It's very unclear. And I, I haven't been able to find any detailing that explains what was actually happening. The best I could find in terms of actual detail, was a an article from the Daily Mail mm -hmm. that that does reference a transcript that talks about Jane Doe number four, which implies that there were multiple Jane Does within the story. But I I really don't I have an issue. The Daily Mail is trash, and 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 that 
you know, I have I have a number of issues with, and because they don't link to the actual transcript itself, they just say the like in a private transcript we got access to. I I'm not comfortable making a definitive claim. But what I think is really interesting is that we are now very clearly seeing this this fall apart where people are admitting now that they are participating in human trafficking. And it seems now even more, I think, you know, we had kind of focused on because the media was focusing on the sex trafficking angle of it, but it seems increasingly like it was the labor trafficking actually that that might shut this whole system down. And Keith, again, Keith Raniere's trial is in May, and I'm sure we'll do a final wrap-up once that ends. Uh, he still maintains that he is 100% innocent. Well, and moving on to our next story, somebody else who thinks he's fairly innocent, even though he's <laughs> pled guilty, Jeffrey Epstein. Bum, bum, bum. He's often referred to as billionaire pervert or billionaire pedophile. Yep, and I believe we had this conversation about what to label him as for the podcast itself. But in this case, uh, so the simple recap of a guy who owns an island in the Virgin Islands, owns a jet called the Lolita Express, and who has a townhouse in New York and a nice house in uh, Palm Beach, Florida. And it's the Palm Beach location where law enforcement collected a lot of evidence of dozens of girls who were all lured to his house to give him a massage, and then after that, things would become sexual. And most of the girls involved were underage, and it ended up going to be investigated and prosecuted, and there was a plea deal. And the plea deal had two prostitution charges, one for general solicitation and the other a single count of procuring somebody under the age of 18 for prostitution. Uh And then it was sealed, and he had his, like, served around 13 months of his sentence. After a while, he was able to leave for a good portion of the day, most days of the week, for most of his sentence. So it wasn't particularly onerous. He, He did have to register as a uh, as the worst type of sex offender although there are also ways where he could have had to had more monitoring than he does so since we reported on it uh, as i had already mentioned it's uh, because of reporting by the miami herald and uh, it, there's been scrutiny from acosta who's now the secretary of labor for his involvement when he was federal prosecutor in Florida. And the case itself has got enough scrutiny that when now Attorney General Barr was going through his confirmation hearing, he was asked if he would look into the Jeffrey Epstein case, and he said he would. So a few things that are really interesting that happened. They figured out who one of the girls was who was part of the case when they were referring to solicitation. Uh-huh. Because a birth date was released, and there's only one person with that birth date. And it was somebody who was 16 at the time and who was more brutally sexually assaulted. Oof. And it happened repeatedly by both Epstein and others. That's according to the records. Now, she was 16, 
which technically under federal law makes it trafficking. But nevertheless, he got a nice sweet plea deal. And more than that, the lawyer for this girl, who also represented 15 other girls, he didn't know that his clients were part of the charges. And he didn't know specifically that this girl was part of the charges. And this girl didn't know she was part of the charges. Now, there's a part when they were being sentenced, when the judge asked the prosecutor whether the victims were informed, and the prosecutor says that they were. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes from here. A uh, new victim has gone public. Yes. And that's been one of the challenges, is when you're going up against a billionaire who has no problem paying his lawyers to go after you, and, and, and also some women who've never told the story or even necessarily told the people in their life. So it, it's a big deal to go public. So a new victim has gone public. Her name is Maria Farmer. She was 26 at the time and said that she was sexually assaulted, but she also says her 15-year-old sister was molested at that time. So she's filing a sworn affidavit in federal court, and we'll see where that goes. But uh, the case, in other words, is getting not only more scrutiny, but there's more public cases. So we will see whether everything catches up to them. So yeah, Jeffrey Epstein. Sad. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of like that we're ending with like, it seems like everyone is getting their just desserts for the most part with a Nexium, and then we go to Epstein. While we're sticking with billionaires, uh, what's happening with Robert Kraft? Oh, my crafty little craft. So the first thing is, is that this, I wake up on the morning of April 16th, and my husband's like, what is this bullshit? And I'm like, what do you mean? And then he sends me a link to this Rolling Stone article called Prosecutors Say There's No Evidence of Sex Trafficking and Robert Kraft Case. Now, I'm sure that article's very vague title <laughs> has buried the topic, but essentially New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft, um, so he got charged to go back, back in the day, to go back in time. He got charged with solicitation uh, in connection with prostitution, and that he had been busted as part of an anti-sex trafficking investigation into a string of massage parlors in Florida. And then we talked about sort of the massage parlor uh, industry in general and how it relates to trafficking. Well, prosecutors have since walked back on that claim, saying that there was no evidence of any sex trafficking that took place at the Orchids of Asia spot in Jupiter, Florida. And I uh, am very perplexed by this because... Kraft's attorneys have talked that the uh, mentioned specifically that the police had staked at the spots with hidden cameras, despite the fact that there was no evidence of trafficking there, that they misled a judge in order to obtain a warrant to place the cameras there, and that the warrant was unconstitutional. Now, assistant state attorney has disputed this claim, saying that it had all the appearances of trafficking and that they really believed it was trafficking, but since they've since reviewed the footage and, and the information, which to you and I, when we presented it, it seemed exceptionally damning. I'm very surprised at this. Well, that was, there was no human trafficking that, are, that arrived. And this is in direct contrast to what they had talked about in February when they were talking about how there's an evil in, in our midst. Um, and so then instead, perhaps these were just erotic service providers who were just trying to make a living. But it, it's very interesting to me. Um, 
based on just the, the pure information that that was coming out of the initial reporting of of what was happening at, at the slot, in particular women living there, that really didn't make it seem like trafficking was happening. And so this seems like this all came from um, misinformation from the police department. And as such, Bob Kraft is, is not being charged with human trafficking because it seems that they're walking back all those initial human trafficking claims. Well, weren't they being uh, charged with solicitation? Not trafficking? Yes. Well, they were being charged with, with uh, solicitation, but in all the press releases, they were talking about how there was an evil happening and that it was very mm-hmm. clear that this was a case of human trafficking. Mm-hmm. So the the belief was that because this was very early days that we would see a, a mention of, of this happening but unfortunately they've walked back sort of all of their statements regarding that and i really believe it was an example of trafficking because it hit all of the markers but so surprise it was not uh i i stand by though sort of the general information that we talked about uh of trafficking within massage parlors and things in general. Uh, But since then, he has pleaded, though not guilty, to just the charge of solicitation. And he has asked for a bench trial. And if you're unfamiliar with that, um, a bench trial is when you go in front of the judge, you and your attorneys go in front of the uh, the judge, as opposed to a, uh, a jury of your peers. Although if you're a billionaire and you own a football team, I don't know what that looks like if they get all the billionaires in. Um, but in the meantime, he, he basically has what is considered like a low-level ticket. And what he is facing for, for the solicitation of prostitution is uh, possibly one year in jail, a $5,000 fine, uh, 100 hours of community service, and possibly still attendance in a human trafficking dangerous class because that, that's been lo- uh, looped in in Florida to deal with, with prostitution uh, arrests. So that's sort of where Kraft was. It's very interesting to me, again, because apparently in the initial video, you know, people sleeping on massage tables, um, employees not speaking English at all, you know, um, in all the press conferences, they they literally say, we think these women are victims of human trafficking. But so it, apparently something got pulled back. And, and he is maintaining, and all of his, Robert Kraft is maintaining all of his in- interviews, that... He he refuses to admit that he was soliciting, uh, soliciting rather not soliciting, huh, that he was soliciting a sex worker. He, he's maintaining that he he did not. We have the information that we have, and that's what we have to go on, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty much. It, it looks to me like they're not going to go forward with with this case beyond beyond that it, it, that it was maybe operating as a legal brothel. I think that they're definitely not going to go forward with any sort of human trafficking charge. All right. So now I'm going to talk about R. Kelly, a uh, <laughs> musician and uh, who gave a stellar performance on CBS This Morning with Gail King, where he said, among other things, I have been assassinated. I've been buried alive, but I'm alive. It was a bit overdramatic and narcissistic. He lost his mind. But before I give you the update, um, since you did the original podcast, JJ, uh, it's a long story, but what's the short version? 
Of R. Kelly? Oh, oh, dear Lord. Uh, R. Kelly, by all accounts, um, don't sue me, uh, appears to have been a serial abuser of women and, and possibly may or may not be operating a, a sex cult uh, where people are maintained, uh, where, where people through a variety of, of ways were forced to participate uh, in having sex with R. Kelly for i it was unclear uh because they they feared retribution if they left it was big it was a mess um and and we we mostly talked about sort of the historical claims against him in particular that were related not so much really to trafficking explicitly but related to the production ownership of child pornography which which can be linked into trafficking and his his sort of tendency to to be seen and to, to be engaging in illicit activity with young women, in particular, you know, starting with his marriage to Aaliyah when she's fifteen, and, and coming up to this most recent case. But it's been a mess. I mean, it's a mess. This this has twists and turns. It's lots of stuff. And there's a lot going on. But but suffice to say, uh, Seth and I talked a lot about um, the difference within that particular podcast. The difference between child pornography and then child sex trafficking and sort of the legal des- designations thereof. Yeah. And because of surviving R Kelly, the documentary, it uh, put him under all sorts of scrutiny and uh, it's been quite a deserved backlash to R Kelly, right? Yes. Oh, it's been a, a massive, massive sort of backlash um, against him, his music and sort of what's happening, and and basically this this sort of was a big moment in hip hop, particularly of women of color standing up and saying, you know, we're not going to tolerate a serial abuser here. So since then, he's also had financial troubles. Uh, he uh, posted a hundred thousand dollars bail in February uh, from charges of ten counts of aggravated sexual abuse, which he pled not guilty, of course, because it's, it's R. Kelly, and then he owed one hundred sixty thousand in child support in March, and he's needed help from a friend in order to pay that. Uh, he's been sued by his, the landlord of his Chicago studio for back rent. And then there's other legal cases and subpoenas happening. So it was recently, very recently reported that he had just $625 across his two bank accounts from these legal battles. I will say, though, the internet seems to suggest that this might that that he might have money and then that might be a long on-standing con because of the great deal of child support that he owes. Mhm. So that might be. Well, I, uh, I, part I, of it. I also find it hard to believe that he doesn't have um royalty. I'm sure he does have royalties or that he doesn't have other assets. See, the only thing that makes me pull back from that is is if you've ever watched the TLC documentary, Crazy Sexy Cool, and they discuss how they got absolutely rooked by their managers. You know, I think they maybe had $5 mm-hmm. and like a penny, you know, at, at one point in their career. So I, I do think, especially because he entered the industry so young uh, and he has talked very publicly in the interview that Seth references where he's losing his mind. He talks about how he, he's still functionally illiterate. And, and he he's only recently started going to the bank by himself. I, I could see him getting absolutely um, screwed monetary money wise, but you know who mm-hmm. who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if he has some income, but uh, you know we don't know. But uh, he might be jailed again soon for missing child support payments. I don't even know how many children he has. 
I, I believe it's three. Oh, that's nothing compared to people like Travis Henry and others who have like 12. Haha, I was correct. He has three. Hmm. Jay, Robert Kelly Jr., and Joanne. Good job, me. Information I have in my head that I'll never get rid of. Yeah, and he's going back to court on May 8th. So he's he's facing all sorts of legal scrutiny and some of the irony of some people what actually takes them down. Yeah, the, it, it, it's something with well, like tax evasion getting Al Capone, right? I Until then he was innocent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I, I think too his, his sort of, I, I don't know who he's hired for PR, but he should not have hired them. They should not. Uh, because sort of his, his, his online public persona and, and things he's posted online and things are, are, are certainly, I don't think, helping his case. So, But if you watch some clips from CBS this morning, it's, uh, it's a piece of work. Oh, it's, that's what I mean, is that if he had a PR guy in the back room who was, like, letting people talk, like, allowing him to, to agree to this, he should not. He should not have. He should fire them immediately. Uh, because especially at various points, he's like looming over the female interviewer, just like screaming at her. And that's not a good look when, when you're trying to argue that you're not an abusive, crazy person. So moving right along, going to Lindsay Lohan. And in her case, I'll read what she said. And then for those of you who don't know about the incident, we'll talk about the incident. So the first thing she said after an incident that happened in October 2018 was... Quote, I recently made the mistake of having my phone recording live video and that I learned from. But I think it's also important because if you're doing something and you want to give direct access to your fans, you can contact them and see their thoughts and get an opinion, whereas in the past you didn't have any control over it. In talking about social media, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, all right. And then she talked more specifically and said, I've read the situation wrong, I've learned from it, and that's all I have to say. So at least we got that much from Lindsay Lohan. I yes, which is a complete not addressing the fact that she accused a family of possibly trafficking their own children and chased a family that may or may not have understood her down the street trying to steal their children to take them to a hotel room with her. But yeah, sure, great. It's great that your fans have access. Good job, Lindsay. Good job. Very good summary too. I thank you. <laughs> in three hundred words or less. And then the mother punched her in the face. Yes. As she should have. <laughs> because a random red-haired woman is trying to get your child to come back to her hotel room. Punch her. Punch first. Well, and she said something also that, uh, you know, with the media, like, you go and you do all these things that are th- these good things, but then you make one mistake. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, in relation to social media... If you're going to live stream, should be thoughtful about it. And also, Ms. Lohan, if you wouldn't have live streamed the incident, then there would be nothing for you to be mocked about. Also, maybe, just just out of, on a limb, I wouldn't define attempting to steal children. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a, a small accident. That's not really an oopsie. Well, and I would I would argue. Well, to to look at it from the two angles, from from the first one, 
where she seems to be talking to them and says, oh, so there's this uh, refugee family that needs help. I think she called them refugees. Yeah, she calls them refugees, and then she's like, oh, they're trafficking, which does seem to be like implying that uh, that she seems to think that vaguely like Middle Eastern or Islamic-looking refugees are inherently dangerous. I, you know, there, there was a lot happening there. But the 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 virtual signaling and the I'm going to use these people as a prop. I'm going to go help these people, which her, was her initial as she's walking toward them, and then to move into, oh, I'm going to be the savior, and I'm going to come in like a white knight and save these children, mm-hmm. and, and to live stream it without law enforcement involved. Like it's just really self-aggrandizing, and and as we said in the podcast, a really unwise thing to do. Like, if you think somebody's being trafficked, like, they were really traffickers, punch might be the, one of the better outcomes if if they're those type of people. Like, don't do that. And live streaming, things like that, it, you know, you can't take that back. Yeah. And, like, what are you going to do? Ex- exactly. Like, once, once it's out there in the world, what are you going to do? And now, too, as we talked about, it, that might... If that family does need assistance, it may it may keep them from trying to get services that that, that they do need later on down the down the line. So and and especially because I believe I believe Lindsay Lohan still has a lot of young fans. Like I think that her her fans tend to skew younger. Mm-hmm. And and I would hate for them to be mis to misconstrue what trafficking is because of that. And the last update, and we're going back further on this one, is uh, model Chloe Ailing. And the short, short version is she was a British glamour model who was uh, kidnapped in Milan and held for six days in a remote farmhouse. Do you remember any other details? Well, it was just, it was, it was very, we had, we had debated quite a lot. As if, many other people did as well. Yeah, if this seemed legitimate or not, because there, there were parts of it. You know, the, the idea of, of you know, one of the things that people were getting called out on or, or people thought maybe made it a hoax was the fact that people were, were leaving and coming and coming back uh, and were seen out with her. And we, and we maintain, you know, trafficking isn't necessarily that you're chained to a fence. It, you can have mobility, but you're controlled in other ways. So we, we talked about that a little bit, but there were just parts of the story that seemed to fall apart. And in particular, the, the way in which she was returned to the embassy, um, and then just the weird comments from her supposed traffickers that made it seem like he had lost his mind a, a, a little bit. But I think probably one of one of the big things is that allowed us to sort of talk about the, the dark web and trafficking a little bit, which is what people love to, to mention and, and, you know, and to bring up. But it seems to me that um, I, I, I was pretty convinced that it was a, it was a hoax. So yeah, a few more details. She had said she was injected with a tranquilizer, stuffed into a hold-all bag, driven 120 miles in a mm-hmm. car to a remote farmhouse near Turin, and said she had been gagged, was unconscious for much of the journey, and what, believed she was going to be auctioned as a sex slave on the dark web for 300,000 pounds. So her kidnapper, 30-year-old Lucas Erba, said in court that they had dreamed up the project together to help her out of her financial difficulties. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, plan was based on the plot of a recently released film by any means in which a minor celebrity is kidnapped and he said he was in love with her. Yeah. And uh, so that happened, the event happened July 11th, 2017. So now, as of uh, June 2018, Erba uh, was convicted of kidnapping and extortion and sentenced to 16 years and nine months in jail. Mm-hmm. Is called a fantasist with narcissistic tendencies, and she has claimed vindication. So that's what law enforcement came up with and, and the courts. Yep, so I was wrong. So a few things she said, though, is uh, that once she was captive, and th- this is an in- interesting uh, narrative to end with, that after she was there for two days, that she agreed to share a bed with her captor, and the kidnapper seemed to want to have a relationship, and she said, I thought this is my chance to get out. Once I saw his reaction, what I was saying, that things could happen in the future, he was acting excited and really looking forward to it and always talking about it. It was that response that made me realize I needed to keep doing that. I had to do everything I could to make him fall in love with me. And then she also said that I knew I had to use that to my advantage. Yeah, so she actually did the absolute best thing you can sort of do in that situation that people do. Like, you know, people who do like crisis and hostage negotiation stuff recommend it. But yeah, so that... I, I, I guess on that end, a good result because the, the person responsible has, has been in charge and she's gotten her, I think, sort of vindication. And that is the end of our uh, update palooza. Woo! So much happened in the world, guys. It's it's I, I like when we do sort of these little moments of, of time in pop culture that we return to them. But like certainly the Nexium case in particular is one we're going to have to return to just, I have a feeling a lot of juiciness is going to come out in May uh, when he is officially charged in in court and in person and, and can actually sort of, I think we'll see a lot of the evidence come out. I think a lot of the pleas have probably had a, a, a lot to do with trying to get information on like the leaders quote unquote of that particular cult. And I think that we're going to end up having also, too, like to talking more about this sort of stuff as, as human trafficking comes more and more in the news. All right. Thanks for listening. If there's any other pop culture stories you're interested in, let us know. We'll love to cover more. All right. Have a good week. Right. Bye. Bye, everybody. This has been Speaker for the Living. For extended notes and sources, visit our website at speakerfortheliving.com.